Hey, thanks so much for joining us at C3 Church SV for our podcast. We are so excited to share this message with you and hope you're blessed by it today. Can I get my pulpit up here? I, I, need, I need my preaching tools. This is one of the tools that I use so that I can get crazy in here, unhindered by notes. And, but I take notes. I make notes for you. And you can thank God that I make notes and it's not just ramblings on a Sunday that I've been preparing all week for this. And sometimes I get to Sunday and I've been preparing so much that I just cannot wait to unleash it. But I even hold that open to God. God, if you want to do something different, you do it. This is just like a, a structure for what God wants to do. If you've got a Bible, could you grab it out real quick? I want to read you a passage of Scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I decided for this week to break out of our series that we've been the series anthem, I decided to kind of break away from it for this week and give you a Thanksgiving message. Is that okay? I wanted to give you a Thanksgiving message. And it's a message that I'm excited about preaching simply because of the text that we're going to be studying from to get today. And, and, and in fact, being Thanksgiving this week has given me the perfect opportunity to preach this, this text as it opens up with what Paul is thankful for. And it says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Verse 2, it says, We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. In other words, what Paul is saying here is, is like when we're sitting around the Thanksgiving table and it's my turn to give thanks, this is, what I, this is what I give thanks for. He says, We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Another way to say it is this, where where we're usually thankful for our friendships and our families or our, our bonus check at the end of the year. What, what Paul is thankful for is the believer's hard work. He, he's thankful for their tireless labour and he's thankful for their persistent endurance. How many people know Paul's a little different? He's not thankful for the things we're usually thankful for. Paul's thankful for, for the fact that you have to work hard in this Christian faith. He's like, I'm thankful that this, is a, that this is a tireless labor. He's like, I'm thankful that persistently you have to show, show endurance in your walk with God. He goes on to say, for we know, brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power from the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia. I like how he says that you became imitators of us. And then he says you became a model for all the believers. The imitators became imitated. Those that were imitating were imitated. How many models do we have in this place today? Everyone should put your hand up. You are a model for all the believers. I need an interactive church today. If we're going to preach out of this cold Sunday morning, we better get warmed up on the inside. So raise your hands in the air, clap them, do whatever it is you have to do today to draw this sermon out. And I want to preach to you using this model of thankfulness that Paul lays out here as a key to identify how we can imitate the kind of faith that the apostles displayed, no matter what season you're in, whether successful or suffering. And I want to speak directly into the area of pressure 
today. And I've given this sermon the title, The, the Privilege of Pressure. The, the, you didn't see pressure as a privilege, did you? But I want to talk about the privilege of pressure today. I want you to do something before you take your seat. I want you to find five of the coldest looking people around you. I want you to hug them and warm them up and tell them, come on, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Tell them Thanksgiving looks good on you. Thanksgiving looks good on you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, team. Outstanding as usual. You know, toward the end of every year, we take time out as a staff and a pastoral team to plan out in detail the year ahead. And it's not just a time of of planning for us, but it's also a time of praying as we really consider uh, the the areas that that we want to preach on, we want to set our teaching series around for the year. But we also don't just pray about what to bring, but the timing around when to bring it. There is a timing that is just as, just as important as what that we find a lot of the time, timing to those series. But one thing we, we want to do and what we are actually most prepared to do is to pivot when needed. We, we can make our plans, but, but what we plan to do is we plan to pivot. We, we plan for a change of plans. And I feel like that's how we need to walk our faith with God. We need to make plans, but, but our greatest plan is that we need to plan for the plans to change and plan to pivot. Now rarely does God reveal exactly what He wants to speak to us, you know, as we pivot in an audible voice. It, it doesn't usually, you know, come in an audible voice. I don't know how God speaks to you. To me, it's not usually kind of that Moses experience where the heavens shake and lightning comes down and, and rarely does He etch Scripture into stone for me. He doesn't happen like that. Generally what it does, the way God speaks to me is He'll speak to me through a series of conversations that I'll have or, or comments that I'll hear and, and it'll seem to kind of work into my life and through my life like a theme that, that I feel God is trying to highlight and elevate and, and make us aware of that, hey, maybe this is an area that we should speak into as a church. And something that I hear a lot about generally in the Silicon Valley, just in Silicon Valley life, but, but kind of more specifically recently is stress. I don't know if it has to do with the season, but I... But, but people are stressed out. I hear it a lot. Now, I'm not talking about your self-inflicted Black Friday kind of shopping stress. That's on you. That's on you. We had uh, Thanksgiving on, on Thursday, like, like you did. And, and we spent the morning just kind of preparing the house. We had a bunch of people coming over and, and we are kind of just getting stuff ready. We are you know, doing just stuff and cleaning. And, 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 and I walk past the, the bedroom. I'm trying to get the kids motivated, get them cleaning as well, like got to earn your keep in my house, you know, just on a free ride. And, and, and I see Zara laying, just laying flat out on her, on her floor. And, and I look at her, I'm like, what's, what's happening? And she's like, man, Thanksgiving is stressful. And I look at her, I'm like, what do you know about stress? The only thing you've got to worry about is how much turkey you're going to eat today. That's the only thing that she has to worry about. But, but, but how many people know that, that holidays can be stressful? But that's not the kind of stress I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of financial stress that, that has you concerned. I'm talking about parenting stresses, Pastor Vance and Kim. I'm talking about the stress that comes with getting a job 
And then the stress that comes with keeping that job. How many people know that kind of stress? I feel that stress is a symptom and a product of pressure. Now, if I'm going to preach in the real situations today, I, I have to say that the most pressure that we face that I've come to realize is, is the most pressure that we have to deal with on a day-to-day comes from our work. Would anybody agree with me? That the most pressure that you, you deal with on the daily is the, the work pressure. Whether you work in, in, in a corporate office or whether you work at keeping the home together, I feel like work produces pressure. I had, I had pressure with my work this week. I had a short week and still had to produce the same kind of sermon in a short week. That can produce some pressure. How many people know what I'm talking about? Pressure. Pressure comes from work. Work produces pressure. The symptom is stress, stress but, the, but the product is pressure on our life. And I was thinking this, and here's a good question I'd like for us to answer today. If work produces pressure in us, how can we make pressure work for us? If, if work produces pressure in us, how do we make pressure work for us? In this passage, Paul is penning a letter with the help of Timothy and Silas to the church in Thessalonica. It's a church that was under severe pressure. And Paul and, Sil- Paul and Silas had been, they'd been run out of the city and they, they'd been run out by the mob. They were, they were uh, accused of inciting violence and, and rowdiness as, as the church is. How many people know that if rowdiness was a crime, we would be criminals today? Come on, we're a rowdy church, amen? I'm just prophesying some stuff into this church. And so they had been run out of the town by these mobsters, these Judaizers, these people who didn't want this Christian faith to, to be in their city. And so thinking that running them out of, out of town, the, the pressure would ease on the church, but the pressure hadn't eased on the church. The, the, the pressure had only become more severe on the church. And so, and so here, here's the kind of, they're under pressure, a church is under pressure. And a better word for, for the pressure that this church was facing is, would actually be persecution. It wasn't just your everyday pressure, it was, it was more like, like persecution because Paul acknowledges that they were truly suffering. Yet in spite of their suffering, the, the pressure produced something powerful in them. And in this passage, Paul refers to three virtues of the Christian faith. He, he talks about faith, love and hope. Three prime virtues to our faith, three fundamental elements to, to any believer's life. Yet though they actually aren't, even though, he focus, even though he elevates them, they're not the focus of his thankfulness. Paul doesn't thank them for their love. He doesn't thank them for their faith. And he doesn't even thank them for their, for their hope. Rather, Paul is thankful for the Christian action that's produced by these virtues. Check it out. He says, I, Paul is thankful for the work that is a result of their faith. He's like, I'm not, I'm not thankful for your faith. What I'm thankful for is the work that's produced by your faith. That's what I'm thankful for. It's one thing to, to say you have faith, but faith is shown by the work of your hand. Faith is shown by the outcome. Faith is really evident in what we can see you put your hand to. Now, the order of this is imperative to correct theology. Paul is not suggesting that our faith is a result of our works. That's not what he's, he's suggesting, but, but that our works follow 
our faith. Okay, so this is, this is imperative for correct theology. We, we're not preaching, well, well, well works gets, you, gets your faith stronger or works is evidence. No, 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 no. No, works comes out of your faith. It's faith first. So, and James says it in fact. James says faith without works is dead. Good, good Bible knowledge there, church. I like that. Faith without works is dead. One commentator I was reading a commentary on this passage and he was talking about how the Christian faith is like a, a rowboat with two oars. One oar is faith and the other oar is, is works. One oar on their own causes the believer to keep going around in circles in their life. You need both faith and works to fulfill the call of God on your life. That's good preaching, amen? Faith and works. And James argues that the evidence of salvation in our life is actually visible in the way you work. It's not me, this is the Bible. That the evidence of salvation at work in your life is shown through your work ethic. And that's why Paul writes that he is thankful for their work produced by faith in Jesus. Similarly, he, he highlights that their labor prompted by love. He doesn't disqualify the fact that serving the Lord requires physical labor at times. Instead, he connects it with the motivation of love. He, he, he calls it a, a labor of love. You know, when I was engaged to Kira, there, there, there was a season where I was working multiple jobs. I was working as an electrician and it wasn't nice work. It wasn't your cushy corporate America job. This was, this was like hard labor. This was like crawling under houses and, and in small roof spaces. And, and this, is, this is like in Australia where, where the most dangerous animals are not the big ones. They're the ones you can hardly see, especially in the dark. And so every time you would go under a house, you, you are defying death. You are, you, are, you are invoking, you're like, this is a challenge, man. Can I survive this? Making a dollar work. And I had to work in these power stations. They were, they were grimy, disgusting power stations. One time I had to work, I had to install a security system in a morgue, an operating morgue. The whole day I was in the morgue by myself. That will test your faith, I'm telling you. <laughs> the whole day on my own. I'm in this morgue. I can remember this one time I'm, I had this, they, where they bring in the, 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 the bodies. They bring them into this kind of whole area like, like a dock. I don't, that sounds really bad, but it was like where well, they bring in the, the dock product. Anyway, they bring in the bodies and I was walking through this thing all day. I was getting more cable. I'm getting stuff, getting a ladder. And I walk in just as they'd wheeled in this, this body. And I like literally fell on this body and I'm laying on this body and these police, police officers look at me and they just start laughing at me. I started crying. <laughs> but it didn't matter how bad the work was that I did, I was saving for a honeymoon, yo. I considered it a labor of love, amen? Because I knew what I was saving for. I knew what I was worth. It didn't matter how gritty and how grimy it was. I knew that that honeymoon was coming and it was worth every death-defying thing I could do to save up enough money to sit on that beach with the woman I love, amen? It's a labor of love. And this is what Paul is saying. He's like, I, I like your labor that's evident, that's prompted by the love in your heart. Thirdly, he says, Paul's thankful for their endurance inspired by their hope. And this is the element of our faith that I feel holds the key to making the, the pressure we face work for our purpose. 
And this is the element that I kind of want to focus on. You know, when I find myself facing pressure in life, what's helpful to know is that Jesus also experienced pressure. Jesus had to navigate pressure. This is helpful for me. To know that when I'm facing pressure, then I'm not removed from, I'm not in some abnormal situation. I'm not in some situation that I can't navigate because if Jesus did it, then that gives me hope. That Jesus wasn't, wasn't in the position that holiness is not attributed to not having to navigate pressure in your life. That holiness is not connected to not suffering. But the fact that you suffer and the fact that you face pressure means that you're in good company because Jesus also had to navigate pressure. And in Mark chapter 14, it records moments leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. And he gives us a detailed account of Jesus praying under pressure. It says in Mark 14, verse 32, they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Now Luke's gospel records the same uh, moment and, he, and Luke's gospel says that he prayed under so much pressure that Jesus began to sweat drops of blood. This is how much how much pressure that he's, 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 he's dealing with, that he's, he's praying and the pressure is so intense, the, the pressure is so heavy that, that it's overwhelming him, that the fact that, that, that blood starts to, to come out of his pores, that he's, he's under that much pressure. Jesus was experiencing overwhelming pressure. This helps me. This helps me to know when I'm feeling pressure, I'm not, I'm not doing something wrong. If Jesus felt pressure, then you can be sure that you're going to experience pressure. Paul also knew pressure, the Apostle Paul. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, I'm just going to go ahead and let you know I'm going to give you a lot of Bible today. So just get ready for it, okay? I'm going to give you more Bible today than you'll read all week. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of even life. Sometimes you have people tell you that God won't give you more than you can handle. I got to tell you that's a lie. Because Paul here is saying that we were under far more pressure than we could handle. It it was beyond us. We were under, under great pressure. Have you ever faced the kind of pressure where you wonder if this is it? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm talking about real pressure. Pressure where it feels like your whole world's closing in on you. Pressure that it feels like there's no way out. Pressure that it feels like, God, I, I don't know how to navigate this. I need some help preaching today because I want to talk about some, some big pressure. And I want to get up my, my assistants. Carter, can you come up here? Let's give it up for Carter. And AJ, can you come up here? Can you bring these up with you? Bring these signs up. Come on, let's give them a real big hand because that, like, that was like a golf clap. I know they haven't done anything yet, but they still deserve some, some, some claps. Here, here is some, some teaching aids. You, you figure that out, man. I'll, I'll preach. You do that. I want to talk about big pressure. And this is why I got Carter up here because he's big. Okay, because we're massive. But Carter is huge. And, and no, just, just, just take one. What are you doing? All right. I told you. Put that on. Put that on. This is Carter. He's representing pressure. Because how many people know that, that, that pressure 
feels bigger than you. Pressure can feel like sometimes that it's overwhelming. Put some pressure on him. Come on, man. Put some pressure on him. And this is what pressure does. It, it wants to push at you. It's like a force that's against you. Okay, you can give it a break. This is what pressure does. Pressure feels like it, 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 it's a force that is against you. It's something that you're constantly under. In many ways, it's a force that feels like it's looming. Can you loom for a moment? Just, just like loom over him. You know, it's like it's always lurking. It's creepy. How many people know pressure's creepy? Pressure will just loom over you in your life. It will, it will intimidate you. It will get in your... It will, it's awkward. But, but this is pressure. And I find that when you're under this kind of pressure is in life when you begin to underperform. When you're under pressure is when you underperform. I'm not, I'm not talking about the good kind of pressure where you perform better. I'm talking about the, the pressure that kind of makes you question who you are. It, it becomes a catalyst for even more pressure in your life because all of a sudden now you're not performing at the task that you should naturally perform at, but now it's perpetuating pressure in your life. And pressure comes in all kinds of forms. There is, there's pressure to be a, a model parent. And that pressure can perpetuate more pressure because it can produce a pressure to try and be current. And then you're not really the model parent because you're negating on parenting skills now to be current and to be a friend when you're meant to be a parent. And so it creates more pressure in your life because you're not being the parent that you should be. Can I get some parent help in here? All the parents are quiet. Or there's the, the, the single pressure. How many people know that pressure? The single pressure, the pressure to, 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 to have somebody. And because there's a real pressure to have somebody, you begin to lower your standards. And then all of a sudden you're in a relationship that causes more pressure because it's not the relationship you're meant to be in. I'm preaching real. This is the kind of pressure that I'm talking about. There's perpetuating pressure. And what happens when we're under pressure is pressure begins to occupy our whole perspective. When you're looking at pressure and you're facing, you're trying to navigate life, pressure gets so big that it, it's all, all we can see. It occupies our perspective. And what we focus on is where the pressure's coming from. That's what we focus on. We focus on where our pressure's coming. So I want to give you some tools today. I want to give you some tools that can take your pressure and make your pressure work from you. I want to take the, the pressure that you deal with day to day, the, the pressure from your work. And I want to give you some tools that will help your pressure work for you. And the first one that, that I feel is, is the first tool, and these tools come in the, 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 the attitudes and the responses that we hold within us. Our first tool is the tool resist. Write that down. Write down resist. Can you put this sign on? Resist. Can you see these guys okay? Come over here. Why don't we come over here? Let's just situate yourself right here so everyone can see you. You can face them. Resist. Resist. A more scholarly way, or, or be it a more biblical word for resist, would be steadfast. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Steadfastness. Hold your ground. Don't be, be immovable, the Bible says. Steadfastness is your ability to stand your ground and hold your course no matter what adversity comes at you. In fact, James tells us that, that steadfastness is not only evident in your life, but it can only be evident when pressure is applied. You can't be steadfast without some pressure. 
He says this in, in James chapter 1, verse 2. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, without pressure, we can't produce steadfastness in our life. So, so how does steadfastness work? Well, it's a good thing that James also gives us the tools, not just the target. He says this, he calls it resisting. Because later in the same book, he says, resist the devil and he will flee. Resist the devil and he will flee. Resisting simply looks like when pressure is pushing against you, it looks like putting one foot back. It looks like simply saying, I'm going to resist. I'm just going to hold my ground. I'm just going to, maybe it's not a season where I feel like I'm making much ground, but I'm not going to let the enemy take much ground. So I'm simply just going to have this position where I plant one foot and I hold my ground. That there is power in resisting. But what I found in life that there is too many believers relenting when they're meant to be resisting. Too many believers relenting to fear, relenting to, to pressure. Relenting to to intimidation, relenting to temptation. Relenting is easy, people. But resisting requires some some work. I hope you didn't come into this church thinking that there's going to be some kind of scripture that you can quote that, that, that is separate from you working your faith. That, that when, you, when you apply the Scripture, it requires an application of faith on your part. And this is why Paul says, I'm thankful for the work produced by your faith. That when you apply faith, it actually looks like work. Oh man, I'm, I'm preaching. That when you apply faith, faith is not just by speaking. Faith comes to you by hearing. But faith looks like work. There is an application. Show me faith without works. Show me a faith without works. Show me a faith aside your work. What kind of work it looks like resisting on the daily. It's like today I'm getting up and I know pressure's there. I know temptation's there. I know, I know there's all kinds of fear there, but I'm not going to give in today. I'm going to hold my ground. I'm going to stand my ground. This is what Paul says. I'm thankful for your faith that looks like work. Work produced by faith. You guys can relax. The second tool that I want to give you is the tool of endurance. Write that down. The tool of endurance. I need my, I need my next help. Where, where, where's, where's my next help? Here we go. John. Let's give it up for John. John, put that on. You good looking Asian man. They're all single. Just, just letting you know. Should have put their phone numbers underneath. Anyway. Endurance. While steadfastness is the ability to hold your ground, check this out. Endurance is the ability to keep moving forward toward your goal despite external challenges or internal weariness. Endurance comes behind resistance. Endurance comes behind when you're standing your ground. Endurance gets coupled with steadfastness and it begins to take some ground. Endurance is whereas resistance... Check this out. Whereas resistance is putting one step back, endurance is taking one step forward. And this is what God wants to develop in our response to pressure. That, that, that when pressure comes upon us, we've, we've had steadfastness in our life because without pressure, we can't produce steadfastness. The resistance now, what God says now, coupled to resistance and endurance. And endurance. An ability to push forward. 
and ability to keep moving forward no matter what pressure is coming around us that I got my eyes fixed on Him. My endurance is, is a product of hope. That when my eyes are not on the pressure that's in front of me, my eyes are on Jesus. So no matter what pressure comes against me, no matter what work pressure, no matter what financial pressure, no, no matter what family pressure, no matter what relationship pressure, it doesn't have to hold me back because I've stood my ground. And in fact, I'm not just going to stand my ground. I'm going to make some progress in this walk with God one step at a time, one step at a time. This is what endurance is. No matter what weariness I feel on the inside or external pressure I'm facing on the outside, I can keep taking steps because my hope is in Jesus. My hope is in Him. I need another assistant. Where's Abby? Abby, can you, we, need, we need a girl up here. Don't we need a girl up here? And Abby is going to be surrender. This is the next tool. Write this down, surrender. Can you put that on, please, Abby, and stand over the next to these ugly men? Now, I'm, I'm not talking about succumbing to pressure, I'm talking about surrendering to God. Earlier we read that, that Jesus felt pressure before going to the cross. It says this in Mark 14. They went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. But then it goes on to say this in verse 34, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it possible, the hour might pass from him. This is what he was praying. He's like, man, there was pressure around him right now. It's not just the, the pressure of the fact that he's got to go to the cross. It's the pressure of taking the whole sin, the weight of sin of the world. That's some pressure. I mean, we buckle under our own sin. Jesus is facing off with some real pressures. Like if this is, if this is at all possible, would, would you take it from me? And he says, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. He knows that God's able. And this is something interesting to, to know in life. To, to how do I marry up the fact that I know God's able to take me out of this situation, but yet marry up the reason I'm in this situation? Because this is where I get conflicted. When I read my Bible, I know that all things are possible for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yet why am I still suffering with this in my life? Why is it that I'm still facing off with this in my life? If, if, if the Bible is true and God is able and He's strong and He's secure and He's mighty and He's a great majesty, why am I still suffering with things in my life? And I like what Jesus' revelation was. He says, if it possible, take this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Sometimes we can be the problem perpetuating pressure in our own life. Because we allow worry to fill our mind. We let concern consume us. But the Bible says to take captive every thought, surrendering it to the knowledge of Jesus. Take captive in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. I told you I'm going to give you a lot of Scripture. It says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what we need to do is we need to come to this point when we've resisted the devil or pressure. Sorry, Carter. And then we've applied endurance. There comes a point where we just surrender to God. And we say, God, I don't understand this situation. 
God, I don't, I don't, I don't know how, how I'm going to make it through this situation. I'm taking my steps. I'm doing my best. But, but God, I'm, I'm not, I'm, maybe I'm going to shift my prayers. Maybe I'm going to shift my prayers from, from, from God, could you take me out of this situation to God, not my will, but your will be done. So God, whatever this situation is going to do, then God, would you have your way in my life? God, would it your will be done? This is good preaching. Are you tracking with me? The next one, I, I need John. Can you come up here real quick? You guys can relax. Give it up for John. Next one I want you to write down is C. This is the next tool. These are all tools up here. These are tools or responses that, that we can use when pressure comes against us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, it says, We were under great pressure, this is Paul, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. Paul is he's describing the pressure. He doesn't give us an indication what was causing the pressure. He was just saying, hey, we're under great pressure. It was while we're in the province of Asia. I don't even need to go into details what Paul was saying, but, but trust us, it was, it was intense pressure. The, the kind of pressure that we even despaired of life itself. And then he says this, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. I love this about Paul. What he's saying here is we were at a point where, where, where we thought we were done. We were under so much pressure that we couldn't even handle it. We were under so much pressure that we didn't know how we were going to make it through. But, but, but what we realized that in that moment when, when we'd done all we could to resist and, and, and we kept trying to push forward, we, we didn't let it take our faith. We kept enduring. We, we surrendered to God. It was beyond us. It was well beyond our control. It, it wasn't like those people who say, hey, God will never give you more than what you can handle. No, this was more than what we could handle. So the only thing we could do in that moment was to surrender and say, God, not, not our will, but your will be done. And then he says, but then we, we began to see how, how God was using this to, to reveal and to Reveal how, how gracious He is and to deliver us for, from such evil. And if He's going to deliver us from this, He will surely deliver us again. He, he's like, we began to see. And, and there's a difference between hope and wishful thinking. Hope is a, an aggressive, tenacious assurance in the future because of who God is. When I see my circumstances through a filter of hope, hope kind of helps me see beyond the adversity. This is what hope is. When I've, when I've got pressure, come on, put some pressure on him. I, I resist him and then I get some endurance and I surrender to the will of God. I, I begin to see, come here, see. I begin to see the situation. It's like I, I begin to see from a different perspective. No longer am I just looking at the pressure and what I'm facing. I begin to walk around the pressure. I begin to see that, that everywhere I look, I can see now what God's developing in my life. This whole time I've been looking at the pressure, but now I can kind of circle the pressure from an elevated perspective and I begin... I can begin to see that this pressure that's pushed against me is now the very opportunity to produce some things in me. So now my, my perspective is different. My, my perspective is, is different. This is what hope does. Hope shifts my perspective from focusing on what's causing pressure to what the pressure is causing in me. 
Hope shifts my perspective from, from what's causing this pressure. God, why am I feeling this pressure? God, why am I under persecution? But when we begin to have hope in Jesus, we begin to see that it's not about what's causing this pressure. But God, what is this pressure causing in me? How is this pressure producing the responses that I'm, I'm responding with? God, what is this pressure purging out of my life? God, what is this pressure? And I love what Philippians says, Philippians 3.12, it says, I don't mean to say that we've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press, everyone say press. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Do I have any possessed people here? I hope so. Verse 13, he says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I'm not looking at the pressure that's focused in my life. I'm looking ahead. I'm looking beyond the pressure. I'm, I'm looking to what God has. And he says this in verse 14, I press. Everyone say press. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. As I focus on hope, as I set my sights on Jesus, now I see the very pressure that I thought was working against me is in fact working for me. Because without the pressure, I wouldn't be able to produce a resistance in my life. Without the pressure, I wouldn't have an opportunity to produce endurance in my life. Without the pressure, I wouldn't be able to have the opportunity to surrender to God's will and not my own will. Without the pressure, I wouldn't see what God is doing. Come over here, Carter. This is Carter. Come over here, Carter. AJ, come over here. John, come over here. Abby, come over here. We've got pressure. First one is pressure. Then we've got resistance. Then we've got endurance. Then we've got surrender. And John, come over here. Then we've got C. We've got P R E S S press. Give me some love because that took a long time to get together. That, that what this, what it produces when pressure comes into my life, we see pressure as negative. But Paul's like, man, I'm thankful for the suffering. I'm thankful for the persecution. Count it joy. That what this produces in my life is an ability to begin to activate my faith. My faith now has an opportunity to work in my life. My, my, my love for God and my love for others now has a labour in my life. Now, now, now my, my, my hope actually can produce some endurance in my life. In other words, when pressure comes into my life, I can begin to press forward like the apostles pressed forward, like Jesus had to press forward. He had to press forward to possess me. And now that He's possessed me, I can press forward for Him. Come on, give these guys a hand. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Take them with you. Take, you can keep them. Jesus faced pressure in the, the olive grove, Gethsemane. You know what Gethsemane means? Gethsemane means olive press. He's in the place called press. And he's dealing with pressure. And it's real pressure. It says he's pressured to the point of death even before he goes to die. Death was around him. It was real pressure. But then he has this revelation. Not my will, but, but your will. I know you're able, God. I know you're able to do all things. You could take this from me in a second. 
But God, if it serves your purpose, then let it be done. But let this pressure work for me and let this strengthen my resolve. The greater is he who is in me than he who is against me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some press in my life. And this is how I feel so much that, that Paul is preaching at this Thanksgiving table. He's, he's kind of thankful for the fact that all of these things in our world that we aren't thankful for, the pressure of the circumstance, the, the pressure of our workplace, the, the pressure to, 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 to be the parent, the pressure to be the husband, the pressure to be the model, model believer even, all this pressure we see as negative, but it's an opportunity for us to press. To press where? To press into God. To not press on in our own strength. To press into Him. To press deeper in our walk with Him. And I love that what it produces in us is a faith that works. Not just a faith that's rhetoric and encouraging. Oh, this is, this is faith, but a a faith that's tested, a faith that's proven, a real faith that then you can produce in somebody else because I've been there. I've had to work. I've had to press. Do I have anybody that's had to press before in their life? And this is why Paul says, I'm, I'm thankful for the pressure and why he saw pressure as a privilege. I want us to get our sights on hope this morning that we can begin to see the pressure in our life as a privilege from God. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. For more information about C3 Church SV, to plan your first visit, or if you'd like prayer for anything, please visit us on our website at c3sv.com.